0: Welcome to the Doorways Ministry Network podcast. Thanks for joining me today on this special episode. My name is Rick Shields. I'm your host and the director of the Doorways Ministry Network. If you are a regular listener, you know that we have often discussed topics related to leadership and influence on this podcast. In recent months, we've branched out a bit and have interviewed guests about sexual abuse and trauma, grief and loss, gambling, recovery from substance abuse, and other important topics. Just last month, we took a look at adoption from an agency viewpoint, and we heard the story of a courageous woman who went against the advice of family and friends giving birth to a healthy baby boy who she allowed to be adopted by loving parents. I also interviewed a couple who had adopted four children and later spoke with my 20-year-old nephew, Caleb, who, along with his older brother, Cameron, was adopted and are wonderful additions to our family. Christmas is in a few days. I hope you're ready for it. I suppose your decorations have long been displayed and you may have already purchased and wrapped some gifts and are likely planning what to serve your family and friends when you celebrate together on Christmas Day. So today, I'd like to do something a little bit different. I've asked my wife, Sheila, to read the Christmas story told to us by Luke, the physician, from the second chapter of his Gospel account. If you'd like to read along, Sheila will read from the New International Version. We'll also be joined by our friend, Dr. Richard Exley, as he reads some passages from his book, The Indescribable Gift. I'm also going to share some perspectives the shepherds may have encountered on that amazing night when Christ was born. I hope you'll enjoy this episode, and we'll share it with family friends, and those within your sphere of relationship and influence. This is what Luke wrote in his Gospel account, chapter 2, verses 1-20. through
1: In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Curanius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told.
0: Have you ever considered the story of Jesus' birth from the viewpoint of the shepherds? Their role was integral the night of Christ's birth. What can we learn from them, and what difference might it make? testimony to the fact that our Heavenly Father wished the birth of His Son to be a simple affair, is seen in the place of His birth. Jesus was not born in the holy city of Jerusalem, nor was He born to an affluent family. There were no parades or special celebrations befitting a king, and with no available rooms at the inn or at a guest house, His first bed was in a manger. Perhaps He was laid in a feeding trough in one of the small caves present in the area where farmers were known to often keep their livestock. He was born to a craftsman. Some say Joseph was a carpenter, but the Greek word used to describe his trade is technitis, and it's properly translated to mean an artisan or a builder or a craftsman. Others say the word refers to a stonemason. So Joseph, the craftsman, and his very young wife Mary, become the parents of Jesus in a cave in the quiet village of Bethlehem, the centuries earlier home of a distant relative we know as King David. On that night, over 2,000 years ago, God saw fit that the news of this special birth would be relayed across the vastness of the universe by a single angel to a group of shepherds watching their flocks in the hills overlooking Bethlehem. Why did the angel appear to them? Why didn't the angel appear to the high priest of Israel or to the rabbi of the local synagogue or even awaken some of the villagers with the announcement of the birth of the Savior? As the shepherds watched their flocks, they were very aware of their surroundings. How else could they watch over the sheep in the dark of night except by knowing what was around them? It's quite possible they sensed something was different about that night. And while it couldn't be seen or touched, deep inside they might have known that whatever was happening was out of the ordinary. And suddenly the angel of the Lord appeared and illuminated the hillside. Knowing they were startled, the angel appeared to the shepherds with words to calm them. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people today In the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And just after their angelic visitor finished their announcement, the heavens opened before the shepherds, and they saw what Luke records as a great company of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. God chose the shepherds outcasts of society, uneducated, smelly, dirty, and ill-mannered nomads to announce to the citizens of Bethlehem the good news. Christ, the Anointed One, the Lamb of God, and Savior of the world had come in fulfillment of prophetic scriptures. The God of all hope had come in the flesh. A new day had come. It wasn't time to sleep or slumber. It was time to celebrate with the host of heaven. This is what Dr. Richard Exley writes about the social status of the shepherds in his book, The Indescribable Gift.
2: There was a time when keeping sheep was an honorable profession in Israel, but that time is long past. Now the shepherds are a despised lot, known for their deceitfulness and ceremonial uncleanness. Not only is their testimony not accepted in the formal proceedings of Jewish courts, but they are also prohibited from entering the synagogue on the Sabbath.
0: Imagine the thoughts racing through the shepherds' mind as they hurried down the hillside into the village. They probably began to search every barn in that hamlet. One can envision candles and lanterns being lit in houses as cattle and chickens were spooked by shepherds opening the gates and doors of each small building. They continued their search from one place to another, until they finally found the baby, just like the angel told them they would, in a manger, wrapped tightly with cloths. It probably startled Joseph and Mary when the shepherds arrived. After long days of travel and the ordeal of delivery without any medication to take away the edge from the pain of childbirth, Mary was undoubtedly exhausted and exuberant. I can imagine Joseph telling the shepherds, Hey guys, um, thanks for stopping by, but it's been a long night. You, You what? You want to see the baby too? Okay, but just for a minute. Dr. Exley shares again about the shepherds on that notable night.
2: The shepherds have not come to see Mary nor Joseph. Now they have eyes only for the baby lying in the manger. It is obvious that they want to touch him, but they don't know if they dare. The shepherds' face say it all. Though Jesus looks like any other baby, they know, as sure as they have ever known anything, that this baby is God, Yahweh, in a manger. The shepherds stare transfixed for ever so long as they kneel in the dirty straw before the manger. Then they humbly bow their heads in worship. For a moment, Joseph is shocked. It goes against everything has been taught from childhood. But Mary is unfazed. She doesn't seem at all surprised that they would kneel and worship him.
0: I am confident that the shepherds couldn't help but tell Joseph and Mary the story of what happened on their hillside, how the heavens opened and, and they saw a multitude of angels singing celestial praises to God, and then they slipped out. Maybe quietly, so as to not disturb what was likely a sleeping child. For their part, both Joseph and Mary were aware of the special circumstances regarding this child's conception. They knew the promise God had made to them concerning their son, but may have expected the prophecy was likely to unfold with time. Imagine their surprise to realize, within moments of his birth, that their lives would never be the same. The entire village was soon awake and wondered what the crazed band of no-man shepherds are doing in their town, telling and retelling their incredible account. Luke records the people were amazed. That's not to say the people believed their story, but they were amazed at the account. They may have even wondered, wait, is it really possible? Could the promised Messiah, the one prophesied by Isaiah, have really been born here tonight? Did those crazy shepherds really see him? The shepherds were challenged to share the incredible story of all they had seen and heard. They threw aside the stigma of their social standing, threw aside their assumptions the baby's parents would not welcome them, and embraced the important role they were to play in the announcement of the birth of Jesus, the Savior, Christ, the Anointed One the Lamb of God. The shepherds could have stayed in Bethlehem and turned that feeding stall into a tourist attraction. The truth is that had to wait until centuries later for someone else to exploit it. Somehow it seems that they knew it wasn't in the heart of God for them to do that. Instead, God chose to allow his son to be born simply and quietly, without fanfare, with no parades or orchestras, and all the while lacking tributes by local dignitaries. Eventually, the shepherds did return to their fields, though it is likely they were never quite the same. Their encounter with the angelic visitor, the heavenly host, and the Christ child must have left an indelible stamp on their hearts. Luke writes, The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. The Christmas story is recounted much the same today as it was by the shepherds of old. At some point, we are confronted with the reality of the awesome majesty and presence of God. Our feeble attempts to find him with our own strength end when we encounter him exactly as we were told we would. He is just there, as he has always been, and will forever be. He is Emmanuel, God with us, not cheering us on from a distance, but as near to us as our breath and our very life itself. Such an encounter often changes us, and we find ourselves telling others who, likewise, are astonished at our story, even though they may not embrace it as truth. Their lack of acceptance doesn't mean we must remain where they stay. Others are yet to hear, and we must go from place to place awakening them from their slumber and telling of the hope that has come and the reason to rejoice. Have you told someone the simple story of Christmas this year? Do others know the reason why you celebrate Christ's birth? When you share the story of the miracle that happened that night, I pray you will be more like the shepherds who ended their night by glorifying and praising God rather than like the villagers of Bethlehem who were amazed, but quite possibly unchanged. It can easily happen as we get caught up in the busyness, run ragged by the Christmas spirit, and not inspired by the birth of Christ, the Anointed One, the Lamb of God, Jesus, our Savior, our Lord, and Eternal King. With Christmas just a few days away, I'd like to pray for you. But first, please know that if you aren't a Christ follower, it's my hope that the peace and joy found by many in this season will enter your heart too. It isn't their peace or their joy, it's the peace and joy found in following Christ Jesus. The Apostle Paul wrote to the churches in Rome in the first century AD with these words May the hope of God Fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. With just a simple prayer, ask God to fill you with joy and peace. Then, trust Him to do it. As He works in you, I believe you will also find the Holy Spirit will bring you hope, perhaps more hope than you had imagined. And I pray you'll come to understand that Jesus loves you in spite of your skepticism and is willing to bring you alongside him and help you to understand what it means to follow him and become a member of his family of believers. Now, if you're already following Jesus, I hope you'll take a moment to remember back in a time when you felt him to be especially real and close. A time when he came to you and his presence was sweet and you knew you were loved Maybe even told someone about it, but you knew they didn't share the same level of emotion as you did. That's okay. Tell it again. Invite them to come along with you as you knock on doors and you knock on hearts, sharing the story until you finally find the place where it is really received and it comes to life. And you find him to be Emmanuel, God with us, with you, with me, and with all who call on his name. Do you know the Lord's Prayer, or the prayer some call the Our Father? If you know it, would you say it along with me? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us keep us from falling into temptation, and deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. May you find the Lord's presence to be especially real and near to you in this season. And may the grace, hope, joy, and love of Jesus fill your heart and home
2: in all the days ahead.